The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm your host, James Anderson, and we've been talking a lot of prospects, a lot of dynasty on the show so far this offseason, uh, but I felt like with the calendar turning to December, now is a great time to, to dive in a little bit on some redraft talk. And I invited on a, a couple of the biggest uh, degenerates, uh, draft fiends that I know, uh, John Fish, Zach Waxman. I reached out to both these guys a few weeks ago before the episode with Eric Cross to get some ADP from them because I knew that they would know where guys like Bobby Witt were going, even though that ADP wasn't live yet because I knew that they were knee-deep in drafts already. Uh, John, Zach, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate it, James. So how many drafts have each of you done so far, and how many leagues do you usually play in per year? I'm in my 11th draft right now. Um, I'll probably do somewhere in the mid-30s, probably finish up around there. Hell yeah, I'm hell pretty yeah. pretty close to that. Um, I've done uh, six 50s and six – or done or in the process of six DCs, so it's 12, 12 right nice. now. So you guys are like neck and neck. Um, pretty how close, many yeah. usually, How many do you usually do, Zach? Um, well, last year I really stepped up <laughs> my game um, um, in the NFBC. Usually it's like, um, I'd say 60. Yeah, so um, that's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I wish I, I kind of wish that I could just uh, do that. Um, but I haven't done a single no, draft before. I don't know if you do. Well, I've got the I've got the itch. Uh, I've, I've been seeing closers going in the third round and stuff, which kind of takes that itch away a little bit. But um, yeah. I, I definitely have the itch to get in there. Um, the The pros and the cons, I think, of of drafting early versus drafting late are very obvious. But do you guys have a preference at all in terms of early versus late? Uh, John, start with you. Uh, I mean, I like both, uh, pretty equal actually. Um, if I was only doing a few leagues though, I would, I would definitely prefer closer to the season. Um, but yeah, I, I love getting going early. Uh, November is like some of my favorite time to draft just because there's no ADP. And if there is, it's very little, uh, you can get some, like some major steals. So kind of like Zach and I were talking, uh, we were talking over the last couple of weeks about, 
uh, Corey Knable, and I was able to get him in the 28th round uh, my last draft, and then he just signed with the Phillies today, and now he's going the 18th round. So he just went 10 pre, pre-200 in one of my drafts. So, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like, I always want to hunt for the uh, the bargains. And then, uh, you, you, and then Knable is actually one of those guys that I was looking for. I'm like, I got to join two or three more drafts to get him before he signs. And I'm, I'm in these drafts. I'm still in the early rounds and he signs already. I'm like, okay, why did I these drafts? <laughs> because he was actually the one guy I was trying to target. But uh, now, now you're not going to get any, you're not going to get a discount on him anymore. Zach, do you have any idea if you're early? Because, I mean, you did enough where there's a large sample last year. Like, do you have any idea if your early ones or your closer to the season ones did better? Oh, 100%. The closer to the, closer to the season ones did better. Um, I think particularly because all the early ones were mainly drafted holds. Um, and that was not my strong suit last year. Last year, my strong suit was the the, the Fab Leagues, where I, where I did well. The draft champions, I didn't do so well. So I'm... I've learned from a lot of, I've, I've watched and I've learned from a lot of the best players like John. I think John did really well in these draft champions and, and um, you got to change it up. So yeah, I know definitely the, the later drafts were better to me last year, but I'm um, hoping to change that up this year. So <clears throat> my, my pre-draft process has kind of evolved over the years. I, I used to, um, you know, use like a software and make like projections of, of guys and, uh, kind of do that throughout November and December and, and sort of use that uh, as a cheat sheet. But then I, I switched it up um, last year and kind of tried the the Casey Cha thing of um, basically, you know, eliminating, um, you know, a good chunk of the player pool and just only going after certain guys. But I mean, that that takes a lot of work to put that, that draft board together. Um, what are your, what's your guys' pre-draft process like when you are starting so early? Because I mean, it obviously, you know, if you're doing a ton of research, um, that can take a lot of time, but obviously you guys are jumping right into these things in November. Um, so what's your guys' pre-draft process this early in the drafting season? And then how does that process maybe change as we get closer to opening day? I think the first thing that I think about, and it's not maybe, maybe it's not something I put on paper, but, um, I want to think about um, what do I think ADP will look like because there is no ADP. So I, I sort of have this visual of the, the map in my in my mind, and I said, okay, where do I think closer is? Closers are going to go. Um, how deep are each position? What positions am I willing to wait on? Um, and um, sort of get get a feeling, like for example, first base. Like I think like Reese Hoskins, CJ Crone. Um, Lemayhu, they're probably going to go in the early 100. So, is that going to is that going to dictate what I'm going to do early in the draft? And knowing closers are going to get pushed up, you know, certain other position players, like say Austin Riley, are going to get um, shifted to a certain spot. So that's that's the first thing I do. Yeah, I'm I'm very similar. Uh, like. I look at position tiers. I just kind of make my own little tier um, of all the positions. I just see where I, how many I like, first of all, how many players I'm willing to take at that position. And then, you know, try to guess where I think that they're going to, that we're going to land. And uh, third base has been clear that it's the easiest. I think it's pretty much everybody agrees uh, that it's the shallowest position. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I noticed that for sure. I mentioned that um, on a on a recent pod. I'm doing a kind of a dynasty mock draft right now, and uh, that that definitely stood out. Um, 
you know, third base, like you have kind of those elite guys that go in the first couple rounds. And then after that, uh, it, yeah, it really kind of thins out. And as you alluded to Zach, first base, kind of the opposite. Um, so that, that's, that's interesting. Do you guys kind of use these early drafts? Like, are you sort of almost prepping mid draft with some of these, especially like your first handful where you're kind of doing a slow draft, you're on the clock and you kind of are weighing a, a bunch of players and kind of letting things flush out that way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I generally have a good idea of like what my strategy is, um, what I try to accomplish in the first five to 10 rounds. And I'm pretty comfortable through 15 to 20 rounds. Uh, and then after that is kind of where, you know, I'll take a little extra time while I'm on the clock with my pick and uh, try to try to look at my previous draft, see where certain guys went, even though it's it's so different right now in those rounds 20 through 50. We did. We actually did a fast draft. Me and John were in the same one. Um, first or fast draft of the season, a 12, a 12 team league. Uh, and, and yeah, like some of these players, in, um, there's still no ADP in the draft rooms in, in the NFBC. So some of these players are buried. Um, not going to mention names, but um, some of them are buried. So you, you, you sort of play the, 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 the game of chicken in your own mind. Like I know they're buried. Everyone else here drafting right now is smart as well. They know it. So it's sort of like, um, I don't know. So it's, it's a lot of psychology involved, I think. How do you guys have sort of a, I mean, are you more willing to get as close to like hitting that other car as you need to, or, you know, does it, does it depend on the player, whether you're just willing to say like, look, I value this guy as a seventh round pick. I know most people maybe value him in like the 11th round, but the worst thing that could happen is I, I get cute with it and miss out. Are you guys more likely to just get your guy or get close to that that chicken? I'll I'll play a little chicken at the beginning of the draft season just because I know I have a lot of opportunities to still get you know what whoever that player is. So I'll I'll play a little bit of chicken uh, in the, in the early draft season. Yeah, me too. Uh, just because I know well, that's that's the one advantage to doing a lot of drafts is you know that it volume is on your side. So I like a player. And um, if I like, I used I used to play in one league, and I'm like, I, I love this player. I need to get him, and I would reach, and then here, and then if I didn't get him, it would be devastating, right? Um, and then um, this is the player I wanted for, for the whole year, and now I'm in like 60 leagues. So if I don't get that play, if I if I, I can miss that player 40 times, and I still have a really good exposure to him, so it really helps you not reach and and um, draft smarter. So like you, you draft with your head, not with your heart, I guess. Zach, a quick aside, you, you mentioned like 60 plus leagues last year. Uh, how much time, you know, and I, bu- I bet a bunch of those were, were DCs, but how much time were you spending on a, on an average Sunday night and how much time on a, on an average Monday morning, Monday, early afternoon, getting all those lineups ready? Right. So 13 of them were fab leagues. So that wasn't like really bad on the Sunday. Um, I think John might've been similar to me in that respect. Um, that I had that down to about three or four hours at the most on a Sunday night. And I would do it all like last minute because I didn't want to keep changing it. So Sunday night was three or four hours, uh, of fab and then like Monday. And then you also think about Tuesday because not all the games are on Monday. Then you have Friday, right. sometimes there's rain out. So it does, it does like leak into it's, you got to look at a Monday, Tuesday, Friday and Saturday basically. So those would range from. It would three throughout the day, maybe an, like on Monday, it would be like 
an hour and a half to go through all my lineups. And a lot of them are DCs and, and all my players were injured anyway. So some of those DCs <laughs> literally took five seconds to set. Right. Um, um, so, yeah. Yeah. I had, I had nine fab leagues. So, um, Throughout the course of the whole week, I'll if I see something a guy that I like, I'll go to all those leagues, put them over, and then just throughout the week, just keep reassessing, reassessing, and then Sunday, obviously, is the when he kind of comes down to crunch time. Usually, it's the last couple hours uh, before for uh, lock that uh, I'll, I'll make adjustments and you know and whatnot. Um, yeah, as far as uh, kind of like what Zach said with the DCs, the first couple months of the season. It takes a little bit longer because you got a lot more options. Right. By the time you get to the middle stages, towards the end, you have so many players injured. You just don't. You kind of don't have a choice. Who you? You can't just play matchups anymore. Um, that's why also why it's so important to build such good depth in, in those DCs. Zach, I saw you tweeting about this uh, the other day. Um, I think it was that there was a draft board, and you mentioned uh, people are following the the steamer projections uh, fairly closely. Have you guys? Do you guys sort of notice that in those first drafts uh, right after the steamer gets released? And have you noticed any specific examples of guys that have gone way in one direction or the other um, since that big projection uh, system did get released? Well, you get to know the, you get to know your opponents pretty well in these in the NFBC. It's it's a lot of the usual suspects like John, and uh, and you know you get you get the feeling of. Who, who are like uh, who are slaves to these projections and who are more drafting based on gut or other their own systems right um so yeah like you there's certain players that you know that are going to move up and going to move up draft boards an example of that guy last year that i remember was john segura he was a guy that wasn't going very high then his steamer projections came out and, and then all of a sudden like people saw that and like this guy's like going in the 200s but he's like what like a 12 dollar player they had him at so like that that was an example last year this year it's probably going to be verlander because a lot of people use those projections and they don't and i don't know maybe i'm just oversimplifying and maybe i'm not giving people enough credit but like see verlander's projections and you're not going to factor in all the other constraints like the the, the intangibles right but he's he's got a really really favorable steamer projection so I, like the first draft that we did me and john what where did he go like close to 200 I think, and now you're seeing him like go like there is one there's one outlier that he went super high, but he's going like maybe in the early 100s now. So he's a guy you're still going to see move up. Yeah, and not, and not just steamer too, just like any kind of report about oh he was he threw a bullpen today and he came out fine. Okay, so people take that as like oh he's fine, he's good to go. Like let's move him up. Um, but I, as far as steamer, I haven't really noticed any any too much uh too much change from from steamer it's just more so things like that like the report from verlander i think they said he hit 97 or something so people think oh, really? I, didn't, I didn't i didn't hear about that what one thing um one thing i'll mention is i i, I was talking to john we were, we were chatting today with me and john and some other people and I, I was looking at steamer just trying to like i filter through it and just look at look at some sort of like trends and stuff like that and i i said i said um you're probably gonna know what i'm gonna say there's 18 players in steamer that had a projected for 20 home runs 10 stolen bases and um uh, over 260 uh over 260 average in in 160 combined runs in rbis so of those 18 players i think um 16 of them were consensus top five picks top five round picks another guy was uh jorge polanco who's pretty pretty close and there's another guy that's going outside the round 10. John knows the answer, James. Do you have any, any guess at who it is? 
Um, going outside of round ten. Um, I'll give you a hand. He, this this guy was a guy that was going is going a lot higher last year, and his price is is, is a price is a lot more affordable. And I'm noticing some sharp players on him this year that weren't on him last year. It it did so, take me three guesses to finally. So get it's him, so. it's twenty homers, ten steals. Is the projected steamer projects. Twenty is twenty home runs, ten stolen bases, so an eighty eighty. So well, not necessarily eighty eighty, but one hundred and sixty combined runs in RBIs and a two sixty batting average. There's eighteen of them in Steamer, and basically seventeen were going, sixteen or seventeen were going, as you'd expect. And there's a player going just outside, the, just outside the tenth round in fifteen teamers. Myself. Even after um, even after seeing it, I don't know if I I don't know if I like it, but like I I don't like to be a slave to projections. I'm not really a projection guy. Oh, this is this is great podcasting. I I'm gonna kick myself. Um, but why, why don't you just give it What's to that? me? Glaber Torres. Oh, that's so stupid. That okay? So um, <laughs> fan fan like uh, or steamer like they does steamer know that the ball was juiced in 2019 because like that, that to me is um, like Glaber Torres is maybe the poster child for uh, the juiced ball, just completely inflating his reputation in 2019. And he's come nowhere near that power figure. Like he, I think he's more likely to get to the 10 steals than the, the 20 homers. Um, but I don't know. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. I just, I just found it, um, I just found it interesting. Yeah, I was, I was like, that's this is going to be some guy that I'm on, uh, and then you said Labor Torres. I was like, no, no never mind. Uh, <laughs> <it's not." laughs> um, okay, so uh, I want, I thought this would be fun. I'm, I'm sure you guys have um, some some really great starts to drafts, especially you know early, no ADP. Um, but I want you to pick your favorite start to a draft so far. So, like first four, five, six picks or so. Uh, John, let's let's start with you. Um, I would probably say that my favorite start to a draft so far is probably the draft that I'm currently in. Um, yeah, I got uh, so my my general draft strategy is I like aces and bases early. So I want aces and I want stolen bases early. I feel like power is something you can always get in the middle and late rounds of drafts. So my favorite start uh, is the draft I'm currently in. I started Corbin Burns from pick eight. Uh, then went Starling Marte in the second. Giolito in the third. So I got my two aces. Um, Trevor Story in the fourth. I think he's almost an auto pick. Um, I think he, he's got the power and the speed. I think he kind of mailed it in at the second uh, after the deadline last year. So, And then uh, I got Eloy Jimenez in the fifth. Uh, I think he is essentially the new JD Martinez with the elite four categories. And then I got my uh my staple who I seem to be getting everywhere, and that's Jose Altuve in the sixth. Nice. Yeah, I love love that. Um I'm uh which where so do, would you take story over um like how do you how do you rank story Tim Anderson and Francisco Lindor? Uh that's a good question. Um, I would probably go Tim Anderson. And he story, was gone, probably. And Lindor. Yeah, so Tim Anderson. Went, and, and Yeah, Tim Anderson went in the third round at uh, pick 39. 
Yeah, that's, I got yeah a story at uh, fifty three, fifty four. Yeah, that's awesome. We're we'll we'll talk about Eli in uh in uh in a little bit here, but um yeah, I love love where he's going right now. Uh, Zach, what about you? What's your favorite start so far? Um, I was looking, I was looking at that, and um, it was probably the first draft that I did, and that was with um, I partnered with uh, Graham. Uh, you can find him at Shrimp Boat Captain. I don't know if you uh, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, uh, James. But uh, we started with Vlad at pick nine. And John was John was in this draft as well. Um, it was the first draft that I did on fan tracks. We imported over to the NFBC. So I started Vlad, or we started Vlad, and then yeah, we're, we're chasing steals after that. And then we, we did get Albies in round two, Gosman in round three, which is okay, I guess. And then we got and I really liked um, T. Oscar in round four and Tyler O'Neill in round five, and then. Chapman as our closer in round six. Um, I know I'll cheat a little bit and head into round seven because it's Logan Webb. And I'll cheat and go into round seven because he's not usually a round seven guy anymore. So that's probably the best start that I've, that I've had. Is that a 12 or 15? That's a 15. 15. <clears throat> so Chapman Chapman in the six and a 15, huh? That seems – I've seen that a few that. times, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I mean, it's, it's not it's not it's not frequent. I, actually, the first two drafts that we did, I got Chapman in both those drafts in the sixth round. I think. Nice. Yeah, Chapman went in the sixth in my current uh, DC as well. I don't know what it is. People don't like him as much anymore. I think they're just going to run him out. Like his last year on the contract, like it's going to take a lot for him to lose that job. Yeah, I mean, my yeah, I'm I'm just looking for saves. Like I don't. I don't care. I don't care how old a guy is, or, or you know. I mean, I think he's just as good a bet as any to get get you thirty saves. But um, what? So speaking of saves, um, I mentioned I'm I've been kind of scared off, or at least you know, a few weeks ago I was seeing these boards where, you know, you had like Hendricks and Hader going third round and stuff. Uh, that just doesn't seem fun at all. And so I did not really have the itch <laughs> that much when I started seeing those boards, but. Uh, what have your guys' approaches been to save so far this year? Uh, obviously, I, I mean, this will all be changing, you know, as guys sign, as guys get hurt, everything like that. But uh, had, do you have sort of a general approach or has it just varied and are you just looking at trying to find value? Yeah, so for me, uh, I generally like to get one one of the a good closers early. I don't like where... Hendricks and Hader are going right now. That's just a little bit too early for me. I think round four, round five is a, is a really good spot to hammer, you know, Iglesias or uh, Edwin Diaz. I think those guys are um, fantastic. I think they have this, you know, the safe, the safe role. They got high, high strikeouts, good ratios. Uh, they're on teams where they should get a lot of saves. I think they're as safe as they come. So I would rather go for someone like that. Um, if I do miss out on those two, which I have uh, quite a bit, actually, uh, a lot more than I'd like. Uh, I've been getting some Jordan Romano in the seventh. I'm a little bit nervous about it. I think he has the role right now, but I just hope that they don't try to add, you know, somebody else, uh, which who knows they might. And that could be a terrible pick. But uh, yeah, if he's got the role, I think he's fantastic value in the seventh. Yeah, I, I want to come out with at least one or two out of the first in the first seven or eight rounds, wherever that tier ends. Which I think, John, you're saying Romano. That's sort of that's sort of like where the tier ended. Um, now it's shifted a bit because we got a little little bit more clarity. But I do 
um, want at least one or preferably two of those big closers because it's just about you want to get the role right now. Like um, even Romano and like you've seen Giovanni Gallegos go really early in some of these drafts. Um, the whole, the whole, my whole, my whole strategy right now with closures is I, I just want to get, I'm, I'm paying the price for the security for that role. I don't want to pay for the price for somebody that's good, but it's a maybe role like a Gallegos or like even like a, or like Romano. It's a little bit, a little bit like that, but like, yeah, like, but a Gallegos is like per- a perfect example of that. I'm not going to, like, I want to pay up for saves, but I want to pay up for certainty. That's what I'm paying for. I'm paying for the certainty. And especially in the fab leagues where like you can, you can look at the steam of projections and you can assign $20 worth of auction value or whatever to those saves, but there's way more intrinsic value in those closures um, taking them this early because it's so difficult to find um, the closers on the waiver wire or even closers later in these 50 round drafts. Um, and um, it's the, the, the fab that you're going to spend. And it's um, not only the fab you're going to spend, but it's um, piecing together what you get in like someone like a Hendricks later, you're going to need two roster spots to do that. You're going to need like a Scott Barlow and plus some other guy you're going to find somewhere else. So there's a lot of things that, that you know, that aren't considered in that number value you see on fan drafts. I think. Yeah. I mean the draft and hold, but by far my biggest weakness over the past like few years in draft and holds has been getting enough saves in the the draft and so i think um i mean i've even considered like in in the tout wars draft and hold i'm in like i accidentally punted saves last year and still almost won the league and now i think i am just gonna full out punt saves in that draft and hold and just see if i can pull it off um that's obviously a lot easier to say in like a, a bragging rights league like that one but um yeah, I mean, in, in a cash draft and hold type of league, and uh, where I don't want to punt, I think, yeah, I think paying up, um, especially this time of year. I mean, like I'd be even with Jordan Romano, like like you said, fish. I'd be kind of worried um, because man, there's there's a there's like four months ahead of us still here where a lot could go wrong with that one. Yeah, um, well, there's a lot sure. of uh, dominoes that need to fall still. Right, but they're but they're falling. Like Melanson and, and Iglesias fell, so now you now you're not as worried. That ho- that helps Gallegos quite a bit actually, because those those are the two those are the two sort of two of the ones that he was susceptible to. So um, you guys have both done around a dozen drafts, uh, or at least you're you're in um, your your eleventh or twelfth draft. Are there any prospects? I'll let you each like pick one if you have one, uh, hitter or pitcher who you've got multiple shares of already. I don't think I have any multiple shares of prospects. Uh, I was burned a little bit last year by them. So, and I know it's, you know, it should be, we should be a little more confident in their ability to perform this year since they're coming off a full minor league season, unlike last year. But yeah, I just, I don't, uh, I, I, obviously I love Bobby Witt, but he's just going too early for me. Um, Joe Adele, I mean, I guess he was up a little bit last year. He, he's a he's a target for me. Um, I just haven't haven't gotten any uh, that many shares of him yet. What about I'm, you, Zach? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to stay away from prospects. I think that was one of my biggest kryptonites last year. I just uh, I I grew up 
playing dynasty leagues and I'm a big dynasty guy and get, getting into these NFBC, you really have to change gears. So that was one of the things, and especially in these DCs. So that was one of the things I learned and one of the things I'm hoping to do better. But to answer your question, I do have a guys, I do have a couple prospects that I have a lot of shares of. I don't know if I want to say all of them. That's um, all right. But um, I'm just looking, I'm looking at my player shares page right now. And I'm looking at like one of the guys that I can say that uh, I do have a lot of, and that's, uh, yeah, I'll go Bailey Falter. Is he still a prospect? I guess. Ooh, he well, um, not via innings. He is via days on the active roster. Um, okay, that's sort of that's, cheating. That's a good no. That's a that's a good. Uh, you're you're not divulging um, state secrets necessarily with with <laughs> Bailey Falter. Um, but well, he's uh, like after round forty, he's between right. round forty and fifty. He's a guy that I've got a couple times. I don't think anyone really's on him. I uh, was talking to. Um, someone was asking me about him on Twitter a couple weeks ago about like whether he's a starter or reliever. And I said that I, I think I might like him more as a starter than the Phillies do. So I, (laughs) I, I kind of hope that they give him a shot, but, um, just didn't seem like, uh, that was something they were, um, all that into, uh, last year, but I guess, I mean, we'll see They'll they'll deal with injuries and, uh, hopefully he looks good during spring training. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, I, I asked that question. I wasn't even expecting. I was expecting at least one of you to give me the answer John gave because um, that is just a really good way to get better at uh, redraft, especially if you are coming from uh, playing Dynasty or you're just really into staying up on prospects um, and the draft champions as well, like a, a draft and hold. Like I think a lot of people just think, well, this is a great um, – way for me to like i'll get like eight prospects out of my 50 picks and i can stash them and then when they're up i plug them in um i just in in my experience you're just better off getting uh getting guys who are going to be on the big league roster all season and um you know you can get upside uh without going after prospects um there's plenty of old guys who uh, turn in much better seasons than, than people. Yeah, it's odd, it's odd in these in these draft and holds. And I don't know, like, now that I have an opportunity to, to talk to both of you face-to-face, I want to ask you, like, what do you think about, like, a guy like Josh Jung and, like, even Torkelson, like, those infielders, unproven completely. They're going, like, in the 200s. And then you have Carter Kibun, who's shown that he can suck. And he's, like, <laughs> going close to 500. But he still had the same prospect pedigree and like you've seen post hype guys come along and like, I don't know much. I don't, I, I don't claim to know as much as you do about, I guess, like whether or not Cardi Keaton actually sucks or not. But um, I find like the post hype guys are, are like, at least they're going to play. Like find a post type guy that's going to play and take that guy over somebody that might be up in May or June. Right. Yeah, you know, the, I mean, the key boom example is tough for me just because, like, I, w- I actually was never that high on him. Um, so, like, I, I've got – I don't like Torkelson that much for, for redraft. Uh, I, I, I do kind of like Young a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I've got those guys in my top 10. I think Kibu might have been just inside my top 20 at one point, but never top 10. So, um, so how about this example? How about how about Julio Rodriguez often going ahead of Joy Dell? Yeah, um, I just I don't really want either of those guys. Um, 
Rodriguez is just you know it's it's one of those where it, the people there there's like this maybe ten percent chance, fifteen percent chance that the people who are taking Rodriguez inside the top three hundred will be rewarded. Uh, and then they'll feel great, and everyone who just stayed away is going to be pissed that they didn't get in on it. But um, I just I think that that's that's a pretty big leap to take to take him inside the top three hundred when there's a very real chance that he's not up before June. Um, I mean that's I don't know I think that's too rich. And then Adele, like you know, if if I thought Adele had thirty steel upside. I'd be in on him at this discount, but I just don't see that type of stolen base um, upside there with him, just based on his his track record. But uh, fish, do you do you see it differently? Uh, I really don't know what to expect from him, to be honest with you. Um, this is kind of a shot in the dark. Uh, yeah. Hoping he can bust out. It's not like I'm overly confident in him or anything. I think I have one share, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's super talented, um, so that could pay off too. But um, I mean, Jung is Young is one of the guys where I'm I'm kind of wrestling with whether I like the the price or not. And uh, Adley, to to maybe a lesser extent, I haven't really decided whether or not I want to get in at the price. But um, I think at least with with Young and Adley, you can feel pretty good. I think about them being up in in late April. Um, but. And then in in a draft and hold, like with Adley at catcher, it gets kind of tempting because it's like even if you aren't getting anything from him for a month, you know, you can maybe make that all up in those those next five months. But I almost um, don't even consider him like a prospect like the other prospects in for these draft and holds because of the reason you just noted. Right, right. Just because of how low the bar is for him to finish mm-hmm. as a top ten catcher. Yeah. Um what about uh like uh Bruhan? From the Rays, yeah, I'm wondering if uh, you'll see him go. Have if you guys done any drafts where he's gone since the Wendell thing? Mm. Yeah, um, I, well, we, we have. We're in the middle of drafts right now, but I never, ever put that together. Where is he? Well, I, I guess it just it opened. It's one yeah, fewer no. guy in the way, you know. Um, right. You know, I hear what you're saying now. I just I just never thought about it like that until you until you brought it up. Um, I'm looking at a draft. I'm trying to pull up some drafts that I'm currently in, but we're not far enough to like he hasn't. Like I, I think we're not like we're not like at that 300 mark where he could be going. Mm-hmm. I've seen him go before 300, even before the Wendell move, which I think is too high. A lot of the a lot of the really sharp people I talked to uh, about these draft and holds last year, and I was big on Bruhan, I was big on Duran, and a lot, and they just said, nah, like don't, not worth it. Like they're not. Um, like uh, I think both like both of the guys I was speaking to, they're like Bruhan is like like a replacement level guy in the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's uh, interesting to like compare Bruhan to like Andres Jimenez. Um, you know, I I think they both have about the same shot at like four hundred plus plate appearances. Um, Jimenez might even have a better shot. And I agree. I agree. I uh, kind of I like just Jimenez. You know, he didn't really do anything last year, but by the time the very last main events were happening, he was going inside the top 100. Um, and that, Robles too, right? Yeah, Robles for sure. But I mean, he's another guy. I, I feel like we have the track record more so with Robles that he's just not good. 
Um, whereas Jimenez, I, I guess I feel like we might still be in the developmental stage with him, but, um, you know, he's going, I think, uh, around pick 400 or something like that. And so Jimenez. Yeah. I, uh, I think in the, I think in the, I think his, his, he's moved up. I think like, I think in the, like the ADP might not be reflective. Oh, I think. Oh no, I, I think I was wrong. I, I said that off the top of my head. I'm, yeah, you're right. Okay. He's going, I think it's closer to 300. 300. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's and closer then, to 300, which makes sense, which is like, he's along oh. with like Hampson and, and well, uh, so we have Jonathan VR under Jimenez and Vidal Brujan are within four picks of each other by ADP. Um, Jimenez for me, slam dunk out of those guys. What about I, you, John? I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, we are going to get to some fun uh, in or out questions for these guys. I've got about, I don't know, 20 guys who I think are very uh, potentially polarizing, interesting to talk about. Uh, and I'm going to throw out their ADPs at, at John and Zach, and, and they'll say whether they uh, are in or out at ADP. But first, got to hit uh, a quick message from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? 
head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. All right, guys. So as I said before the break, uh, I'm going to throw out some guys who I think are interesting, polarizing, um, guys who I'm strongly in on, guys who I'm strongly out on. And I'll get your guys' take as to whether uh, they are solid picks at their ADP. Uh, the first guy I want to talk about is Jacob deGrom, whose ADP right now is 22. Uh, start with you, John. Jacob deGrom, ADP 22. What do you think? I'm out. I'm out. In the, at this moment, I am out. Uh, I need to see. I need to see. I'm actually throwing and being a little, somewhat healthy. Um, I, I'm just not sure if he's there yet. Zach? I'm as out as Elton John. <laughs> I'm Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, no, I'm the same, same thing. Um, no, uh, even if even if he is throwing in spring training, I was out last year. Um, I've been out a while, and I, and I just frankly don't care. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm out as well. Um, that one's too bad, but uh, yeah, the writing does sort of seem to be on the wall there. Um, all right, uh, let's go to a hitter. Uh, Cedric Mullins, ADP of 27. Um, someone who I didn't even have ranked in my Dynasty top 400 before the season last year, if I'm not mistaken, but now his ADP is 27. Uh, Zach. Cedric Mullins at ADP twenty-seven. I'm just I'm just normal normal out. Normal out, light out. Normal normal out. Um, I think um, like he, he lacks the track record and um, he really isn't a five category guy. I mean, even if you look at his steamer projections and like I said, I'm not I'm not really like I don't go hard and fast by the projections, but they're pretty optimistic. He's 25-25 with like a two sixty batting average. That's not second round value. Like that that's basically third or fourth round value. So you're not even getting you're you're paying a premium for him without without the track record so no john i'm out um i don't i don't hate it but uh yeah i mean 59 rbis last year on 30 home runs like i get it you're a leadoff hitter for for baltimore but so he's already extremely weak in rbis even with 30 home runs um and yeah, I think obviously I think this is going to be his uh, last year was his career year, and I'm not going to pay for it in, in the in the second round. Too much talent there. Do you guys yep. think that Mullins is a guy where, with each successive month, the ADP is going to like slip a little bit more? I guess we get further away from last season. I think so. I think you're right. I think there's just too many other guys in the round three and four that are going to give you something like their range of outcomes is better. Like you're paying for, you're, you're basically paying for a ceiling. So I think you can, you, I think people are going to tend to gravitate to grabbing pitchers there and, um, and waiting for, especially the outfield position. You can wait on that a little bit more easily. All right. This guy, um, I think this guy is, I'm just fascinated to see where he's going in like the main event, for instance, um, Chris sale, 
currently has an ADP of 43. John, what do you think? Uh, I'm out as well here. There's just other other pitchers that are on there that I would much rather have. Giolito, Nola, uh, Alcantara. I'd much rather have all three of those guys than than Sale. So I'm probably out as of right now. Um, if he's if he's throwing hard in spring and everything's looking good, like he's back to being old Chris Sale, I uh, I'll reconsider. But as of right now, yeah, I probably won't have any shares till at least March. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same reason for me. I'd be out on Sale as well at that ADP. Are you guys surprised where his ADP is right now? Yeah, I am. And I, I, I when, we, when we first started discussing this, a lot of other guys that I talked to, they're smart and dropped a lot. And they were talking about him as a second-round player or a first-round player. I don't know if they were screwing with me, but um, I think it's going to be – I think I think there's going to be a high variance to, for, for his um, draft cost. Yeah, like I, I would not be surprised if he went like at pick 20 in a main event. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Um, especially if he's like looking good in the spring because, uh, you know, if he looks like he's just back, I mean, there's a lot of people that won a lot of money on Chris Sale's back uh, a few years ago. So um, mm-hmm. Wander Franco is not someone that a lot of people have won a lot of money off of yet, but currently getting drafted just inside the top 50 on average at, at pick 49. Zach, what do you think? Out. I'm out on him um, at that range. Um, the, the main thing I could, the main, the main thing that I can cite about that is I want some stolen bases. And I don't know if he's going to get those. Uh, what did he have two last year in what, maybe around half a year? Like, no, um, like, like John was saying, Trevor story, no, it's a slam dunk. I'm not going to draft Ron Wonder Franco. I'd almost rather draft Bobby Witt. That's interesting, actually. I mean, that I, I think you'd have to be nuts to think that Franco's going to steal more bases than Witt. Um, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I've, I've seen that stolen bases not translate as we've all discussed. But yeah, no, I, agree, I agree with you. What about you, yeah. John? Yeah, I'm I'm out. Uh, like Zach said, there's just not enough speed there. And like, what I guess, what are his projections for home runs? I I don't think he's a 30 home run guy, is he? I mean, is he like a 20, 20 and 10? He would have been in that group of 18 guys that I talked about, except he didn't meet the RBI run. Him and O'Neill Cruz were actually the two other guys that met the criteria, except for the runs and RBIs because they're not projected full seasons. So he, they don't he's have at a, least a 20. They don't have Franco for a full season. Um, no, no, I said um, Bobby Witt. Oh, Witt, and, Witt, um, Witt, Witt, and Witt, Witt and O'Neill were the ones that just missed yeah. Franco. Um, I don't know if he's in that category because of the stolen bases. I'd have to check. Yeah, he might be at like nine, um, like eight or nine for first team um, or something like that. He's not. I have the list in front of me. Wonder Franco's not there. He might be a little bit lower on the stolen bases. That's why, but he didn't. He didn't meet this filter. Yeah, so so for me, if you're not getting if you're not going to get me fifteen to twenty stolen bases, you better be hitting me at least thirty home runs if I'm taking you that high. All right, uh, this guy's probably the most. Uh, I don't know if he's even controversial anymore. I, I think like Alberto Mondesi, uh, ADP of fifty one. He's almost like I think he's like one of the most boring players to talk about, but I'm I'm bringing him up anyways. Um, <laughs> Just because it's it's just and it's kind of the same thing with like Byron Buxton where, like, 
you know, it's just like how, how many games are you get. And I think it's kind of, I don't know. I, I think I know what I'm getting. It's just how many games are you getting. Um, but uh, what do you think, Zach? Alberto Mondesi at 51. Am I in or out? <laughs> I'm way out. <laughs> I'm way I, out I, at 51. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm out. Um, but I was in a, I'm in a draft right now with um, Phil Dissell. I don't know if you've heard of him. I have. He took, we're in a draft. He took, he took Montessi round three this year. Mm. So, uh, but so <laughs> I wish, I wish, I, I, I wish that I, I just want well, to say that. Okay. Stupid, so that, drive up his cost. <laughs> that reminded no, I'm, me I'm, of, I'm, I'm lying. <laughs> You're lying. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm lying. I'm lying. I don't, I don't like, uh, I to, full disclosure. I'm lying. I was almost, yeah, I was sort of surprised that you were going to um, reveal what, what Phil did. Um, no, I would never say anything that was real. <laughs> <laughs> trying to drive up his cost. Yeah, I, was, I was trying to drive up his cost, and I realized, like, uh, I don't know if you're actually believing me or not, so I figured I I, I got to come out with it. I, I, I'm out. So it feels it feels good that I've told, I've told the truth now. What if I said his ADP was 101? Would you be in or out? Out. Out, out, right. out, uh, which, what round is that? That's like from six or seven? Seven, probably. Yeah, I'd be out. John, uh, I, I can't imagine I, I you're would, gonna you're gonna say you're in now. Well, I would be in if it was round six or seven. I would be one hundred percent in. I would just the thing is, if you take him, you got to make sure that you solidify third base um, after that because. I mean, it's pretty inevitable that he's going to miss games. So you got to make sure you have a decent backup. <clears throat> um, as far as that pick 51, I'm probably out. Um, I, I usually like to get my stolen bases earlier and not have to mess around with, with you know, the gamble of, of him at 51. So I would uh, I would be out of 51. I did take one share of him, but I got him at 66. So um, I thought it was, it was worth a gamble. But that will probably be my only share of him as well. So. Actually, will uh, one thing I will say about Montessi, like you know, a year or two ago, or actually, basically every every draft season until this draft season, I think you, I think I would argue that he's going to play every day when he's healthy, um, because there's just nothing coming behind him. He's too good of a defender at, at shortstop and stuff like that. Uh, this year, I don't even think it's a lock that he plays every day when he's healthy, uh, especially when we get to July, August, September. Um, just because they, they've got a ton of guys coming, um, you know, he could be he could be rocking like a two sixty five OBP in July, and they could be at like five hundred or something. So I, I think there's another factor there with Montesi that you just you don't even know if he's going to be an everyday guy when he when he is healthy, which is not something I would have said in, in past years. Um, yep, Tyler O'Neill is just one of those guys where the performance last year was just. You know, you had just immense um, upside in terms of power and speed, especially uh, when you look at what he's doing with with Statcast. Um, but then the the approach, the strikeout rate, the walk rate, um, major red flags with Tyler O'Neill. But um, he's going on average at pick fifty three because of that power speed upside. What do you think, Zach? I mean. Um for that, for the power of speed at, at the cost that he's, that, that you're paying for. Um, I, I, I wasn't expecting him to cost as much because of, I guess, the lack of track record, but I've sort of, um, it's sort of become an acquired taste for me that, um, you know, like you sort of 
played the chicken and you lost chicken when you're playing these early drafts. And uh, now you're now I, I'm, I'm comfortable with him where he's going at that in that range. But um, he did have he did struggle at times, like you like you noted. And um, I did I did look into him very carefully. And he struggled he struggled mightily against um, high quality pitching. So I don't know how I don't know he probably will face it again. But most of his damage was against weaker pitching. Like he really struggled against the, the Brewers and like Wheeler and um, et cetera, Alcantara. They, they just killed him. Like he had a forty five percent strikeout rate against those guys. That's that's a that's a good. Uh, little, little dropping some knowledge there. I like that. Um, what about you, John? Um, I'm kind of neutral on him. I'm not. I'm not fully in. I'm not fully out, which means I'm probably not going to get too much of him because just I. That's where I like to take you know an elite closer. Or that's where I'm getting story. Um, so I, I'm. I guess for the sake of it, I'm probably out. But I'm. I don't hate it if anybody does take him there. All right, Zach. You mentioned. Uh, Austin Riley, uh, as a guy who is is going quite high this year, uh, after, after that massive season um, from a year ago, uh, he's going on average at pick fifty seven. Are you buying, or are you are you out there? I'm out on Riley. I think, um, despite the fact that third base is, is scarce, so it's hard to be out if if any of them fall to you at at better value. But um, where he's going, I think that you're really lucky. I think people. I think me you focus on the batting average you're like whoa 300 batting average with all those counting stats um but really it, you're taking around four and you really need like like john's aces and bases right i don't know i don't know i don't want to answer for him but uh it's tough there especially when if that i think he had a high babbit and if that progresses to the mean a little bit then really what's the difference between him and guys you can get two rounds later john uh yeah, uh, I didn't realize that his ADP was that high, actually. Fourth round. I, I got him in uh, uh, the first draft we did, Zach. I think it was in round six. I'm looking at it right now. Um, yeah, I think you did. I, I, was, I looked at that and went, wow. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't even realize that. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I uh, probably, I mean, that's at the roughly the four or five turn. I could probably, I could probably be in with that. Just because third base is so uh, so shallow, and if you're getting them at the uh, four or five turn, you're likely starting, or at least I'm starting, with an elite stolen base guy in that first round. So um, I would I would probably be in. I'd probably be in with him there. I I'm not. I think his batting average is, uh, you know, as you can hit 300 again, probably not. But I think he's a safe bet for 280 plus. Yeah, he's really good. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's – I think everyone's smart enough to know that, you know, aces and bases is kind of the way to go. And so the caliber of four-category guy that you can get in, like, the fourth round, uh, late fourth, early fifth, um, case in point, this next guy, Eli Jimenez, um, who is just an absolute beast when he's healthy, although he, he does seem to miss – uh, a bit more time than most guys. Um, his ADP is at 58 right now. Uh, I want to say that's about 25 spots lower than a, than a year ago. Uh, what do you think about that one, Zach? Um, I'm out on him because um, because of the because of what he brings, his profile. I don't, like outfield, no stolen bases. Just it's got to be really, really, really good to be for me to take him in, in the 
in the fifth round. There's just other things that I like more. Like um, you can get guys like Tyler O'Neill sometimes falls there. Uh, I'd much rather because I'd, rather, I'd much rather guard somebody with, with, with the stolen bases. The batting average seems good. Um, um, it's not assured. But if you'd asked me like before we started drafting, I would have thought that Eloy would have a higher ADP than, than Tyler O'Neill, but he doesn't. I guess people are thinking the same thing. But um, he's just not the profile I'm going to take around here because he's right in that closer tier where like all of your all of the, the good closers sort of run out at that point or you're looking for someone that's getting you stolen bases or like a third baseman or a th- second baseman. There's just so many other positions and categories you need to focus on that you can put something together that's close to Eloy, close enough to him later on that I just um, I can't see myself ever drafting him. John, what do you think? Yeah, so for me, it's it's kind of the same as Austin Riley. Um, if, if he's going to go at that four or five turn, the way I draft, I'd likely have a an elite stolen base guy in the first round, and then I probably have either an ace or an elite stolen base guy in the second round. If, if you know Starling Marte is there in the second round, I'll, I got no problem with Starling Marte and let's say you know Boba Shad or whatever. Uh, J Ram, like so, like if my stolen bases are, are are set like that, then yeah, I'm absolutely in on them. Um, if I go one stolen base guy and I go with uh, you know aces, uh, second and second and third, it'll probably be tough because, like Zach said, I do like the a lot. Of, that's where I like to take my closer. So I guess it kind of depends on how my roster build is going. But yeah, I'm, uh, I, I would I guess I would be in. I think he's an elite four category guy. Zach, you, you kind of said something that um, was interesting. You mentioned, like, well, he's an outfielder. Um, I, I actually do kind of have, like, a loose rule where I want all my outfielders and all my middle infielders to have the potential to steal double-digit bases. And if I take an outfielder or middle infielder who isn't going to help with speed, then I have to get either a third baseman, a first baseman, or a catcher that can – potentially chip in those steals do you do either you guys have any sort of thing like that with with positions or or is it not as rigid as as what i just laid out it's not as rigid but it, but no what you're saying uh, does make sense I've, I've heard zimmerman talk about that specifically with respect to judge i think um before last year he said like i don't think i can draft he said it'd be very difficult to draft aaron judge because it's hard to have your outfielders like an outfielder that Okay, so maybe I'll rephrase. It's hard to have an outfielder that, outfielder that you're going to spend that amount of draft capital on, not stealing bases. Like maybe it's okay if you're going to grab someone later on in the 200s that's not going to steal you bases. But if you're going to spend a pick on your outfielder there, yeah, you better steal you bases. All right, this yeah. guy – or John, yeah, feel free. Oh, I, was just, I was just going to say, yeah, that makes sense. It's all about the draft capital for me. It's not necessarily the position. Um, but I, I want stolen bases in those first five rounds. If I leave the first five rounds and I have like 20 stolen bases, it's, it's just not going to cut it for the, the way I like to draft. There's just so many good power hitters in those middle rounds that don't steal. So yeah, I, I, it makes total sense why people would be out on, you know, Aaron judge or, you know, Eloy Riley, those kind of guys. I've heard people say that outfield, like you're thinking outfield is a little bit more scarce than it was last year, because a lot of people last year were saying that I can wait on the outfield and because they waited on it in 2020 and they did in 2021. But I think this year, I just, just my gut from drafting 12 leagues so far is that in general, hitting is more scarce than it was um, last year at, at like in the, in the moment where we're at right now. Just not, not just outfield. I think it's just everything across the board, all positions. 
Yeah, my I, when I was looking at the ADP, I did notice uh, an outfield, and it, like towards the end of last season, in, in fifteen team leagues, uh, my fifth outfield spot in like August and September was getting really tough um, to find good production from. And I noticed in, in the early ADP, uh, I didn't really like any of the outfielders going outside of the top three hundred or so, and I did like some you know first baseman or like second catchers, uh, starter flyers and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I kind of want to get five outfielders. I like, um, while we're still inside the top 300. Um, one guy that I, that I'm quite high on, uh, is jazz Chisholm. Um, I'm very interested to sort of see how his ADP, uh, fluctuates over these next few months. It's right now it's at 77. Uh, are either you in on jazz Chisholm with me? I was in a lot last year. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, I had a ton of shares last year of him. Um, this year, yeah, I got I got no problem again with him. Um, I think he's he's got dual eligibility. He's going to be hitting at the top of the lineup. He's going to be having the green light on the bases. He's got enough power. We've seen that. So yeah, I, I uh, I'm in. I I haven't gotten many shares of him. I don't, I don't know if I have any shares of him yet. I'm I'm sort of so so on Jazz and. The reason is maybe I'm hope I, I'm I'm taking what I learned from last year and I'm I'm maybe a little bit too hyper focused on getting those aces and bases early and I'm making sure I get those. So by the time the Jazz comes along, where he, like where his profile is, what a six round pick, um, you have some risk around it. That's why he's going there. Um, I don't like I'd, I'd like him there. I'd like him there as a middle infielder. He has a position eligibility. Just I, he's sort of like the last of that group that gets you those stolen bases. Am I wrong? And if I'm, I just don't want to leave myself to plan to have him because if I miss him, there's really no net. That's, that's my, that's my main thing with jazz. Yeah. I guess maybe the net, the net could like uh, Tommy Edmund, I think goes right after him. So um, maybe that could be a fallback, but um yeah, I mean that's that is interesting. Same round, it, I think. Same round, I think. It's like I think you've, you got to pick one or the other, right? My John, like I think you've been getting a lot of Edmund, right? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot. Of, I've been thinking a lot of Edmund. Again, he's dual eligibility. Like in these draft champions, dual yeah. eligibility is like king. You know, you get so many injuries, or you got a four game week versus a two game week. You can shuffle guys around. I mean, I had Whit Merrifield last year, and I'm pretty sure I didn't start him consecutive weeks at the same position. He was at second. He was at middle infield. He was at the outfield. So. Yeah, it's the dual eligibility is is king, and um, the yeah, and then speed, and uh, I think Tommy Edmond showed that, and I think he's going to hit lead off again for the Cardinals, and I think he's, I I wouldn't be surprised if he had the same kind of season, ten home runs, 30, 30 stolen bases. Well, Edmond Edmund was the eligibility god last year because he he had the middle, he had the corner, and he had the outfield. Um, I, I haven't dug in to see who who that guy might be this year. I think I think Edmund's down to two B and OF, but. Um, yeah, with, with jazz, my, my quick case for him is, uh, he's very much still a develop developing talent. Um, like he's, he's in my mind, he's not that close to being a finished product and, uh, he has modeled, he, he kind of wants to be, uh, the next Ronald Acuna. And I think he kind of competes with him um sort of in his own head and so like i i I trust him 
running, uh, you know, as much as possible. Um, and we, we've seen that so far in his career. So uh, I think that the plate skills will get a little bit better this year, a little bit better uh, the next year. Um, and he'll kind of keep working up to, to 25, 25, maybe 30, 30. Um, so yeah. And I'll, I'll add one other thing to that. Um, just kind of where he's going at the beginning of the sixth round, that means you're drafting at the end. Right. And there's just not a ton of stolen base options when you're drafting at the, you know, 14, 15 around the turn down there. There's just not a lot of speed options down there. You know, you can get maybe like Luis Robert. Um, but how much is he going to run? You know, he's probably not a 30, 35 stolen base guy. Maybe he's, you know, 15, 20. So where you're, where jazz Chisholm was going, you, you likely need speed um, at that at that pick of the sixth round. All right, I think, uh, a, good, I think a good like a good comp for his upside is maybe not Alcuna, but like Alfonso Soriano is a guy that I think of. Like, oh like yeah, the, the quick wrist, like that's what you're hoping, like in pie in the sky that he's going to be, which he could. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. Um, big fall from grace for this guy. You Darvish ADP of eighty eight right now, uh, in or out, John. Uh, I'm probably out. I think he's, I think he's, we've seen the best of you. Uh, I've always liked him though, man. I've always liked him, but uh, yeah, I'm probably out. I just, I likely have, you know, my top two still uh, starting pitchers there already. And yeah, I'm just looking elsewhere. Yeah, me too. Same. That's why I don't like drafting with John. We pretty much have the same, we've had the same answer for everything. <laughs> I, hate, I hate drafting with you. <laughs> how many are you, do you guys know off the top of your head how many you guys have done so far together it's got to be like half of them close yeah i, I try know. i try actively five, to maybe? avoid i try actively to avoid john i told him <laughs> i joined the draft and i'm like don't you join it <laughs> <laughs> but how about alex bregman uh adp of 96 uh zach what do you think about that one I say, yeah, I, I don't know if I've got an even, but like, it's just so hard to pass third base there. Like if you don't have a third baseman around that time, like what are you waiting for? Yeah, that's basically the same answer for me. I don't think I have them anywhere, but I would, I would definitely uh, be in on them there. Third base is just so ugly. I'm a little bit nervous about that wrist surgery, but uh, I mean, it sounds like he should be fine for spring training and, that loaded lineup, he's going to hit in a, you know an elite spot in the batting order. So yeah, I would be in there. All right, these next two guys uh, are maybe my two. Um, I think they might be like the two most fascinating guys uh, in terms of. I think there's just going to be a lot of people who are just hard out. Uh, I think there's a lot of people who are just going to be hard in. Um, Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich. Cody Bellinger's ADP is 96. Christian Yelich's ADP is 106. Zach, what do you think about those two guys? So I, I was at a point in one of these drafts where I was, I had no outfielder at this point and I, I needed to get my OF1. And I probably sat at my computer for about an hour looking at these two guys and saying, <laughs> who am I, who am I going to like more this year? And um, I came and I, I went in 50, 50, and then I came out hundred percent, I'm Yellick, Team Yellick, not Team Bellinger. Here's here's why. So Bellinger, like he, I think you people have some optimism for because they saw what he did in the playoffs. I looked at this actual, I went and watched his actual hits in the playoffs. It was pretty, it was kind of ugly for a, a, like a 360 average that he had. I think he had one home run. Like it wasn't like his hits were like bloops and like he still wasn't hitting the ball well. Um, 
he's like he's hitting like they're hitting him sixth or seventh. That's talent. Yellick is the opposite. Yellick is still hitting the ball hard. Um, granted, he's striking out and he, and he has the back issue, which is not good either, which is baked into his cost. Um, and then Bellinger, if you look at him, and this might sound weird, but like he looks really skinny. Like he doesn't look good anymore. Uh, like he like I think his body has changed. So um, that's my thought. And if I'm taking someone there, it's going to be Yellick. What do you think, John? Yeah, I'm probably out on both. Uh, I mean, I I could definitely understand why people want to take them because we've seen the ceiling that they both can provide. Um, but I'm I'm likely just uh, I don't even want to mess around with it. Uh, <laughs> I've uh, been burned too many times, especially by Yelich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think I'm probably more in on probably both than than you guys are uh and it's like i'll just cop to the fact that in you know certainly in bellinger's case but kind of in in yelich's case as well it, it's kind of a a blind leap of faith in these guys kind of just having uh, a hell of an off season um I mean, maybe they're not, maybe Bellinger's just not wired that way and maybe he doesn't care that much or maybe he doesn't know how to kind of address what's what's wrong with him. But uh, these sort of elite talents who uh, are still kind of in this this age range, um, I just I feel like you're getting such a, such a discount and it's a pick that you could afford to take a, like a, you could take a zero on your, seventh or eighth round pick and win your league easy. I mean, I've taken a zero on like my third round pick and won my league easy. It's not something you should maybe set out to do, but I, I just can't get over the the cost on those two. Um, but that, maybe that opinion will evolve as we get, get further into the, the off season. Yeah, yeah definitely top, worth the, guys. definitely worth the risk. I think uh, like you were saying, like for me, just the way I dropped, I get so many stolen bases early on that I target a guy like Jesse Winker or on that that ADP that those guys are going. I think he's got a leap four category upside, and if, as long as my stolen bases are taken care of, then I don't really need the, the the speed from the other two. So take the who I think is a safer pick in Jesse Winker. Are are either of you in on Dalton Varsho at pick one hundred six on average? Yeah, I could be in on him there, as long as he's playing every, like somewhat regular, regularly ish in the outfield, and he's in his, get you, he might get you twenty and eight. I don't think I don't think I think people saw like the twenty stolen bases in the minors or whatever. I don't, I don't think that's it. Like I think like like they think I think maybe you think he's going to get you twenty stolen bases. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think he's still going to do well enough there that. He's worth that cost as long as as long as he just doesn't get sent down. Really. He's like pretty safe in that in that matter. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm probably out. I I understand why people are in, but yeah, I mean, if he's if he plays every day, sure, okay, I got no problem with it because he's going to get you speed at a position that gets basically no speed. But uh, yeah, there's just too many other too many other big big players there. You know, you got. Yeah, guys like Pablo Lopez are on there. I already mentioned Jesse Winker, like Brian Reynolds. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I would rather go. I'd rather go elsewhere there than like I know, yeah. I know it's 
I know it's catcher, um, but like just you like Christian Yelich and Dalton Varsha have the same ADP. Like uh, I I don't know. I it's <laughs> yeah, just, that is that is crazy that you say that. <laughs> like yeah. I, I know one of those guys is going to play every single day when he's healthy. And the other guy is like a guy who's not a good defensive catcher, but just kind of, you know, he's kind of a weird utility guy that I just, I don't know. I think maybe he gets to, you know, if he gets to 400 plate appearances, it, it's probably not a bad pick, but um, yeah, it's just, I, I thought, I thought Varsho, like I thought it was going to be like a 150, 160 ADP type of thing on him. Um and that, yeah, he's just already just everyone's that ADP, and I'm I'm ABD. Always be drafting, so you could sort of feel the ADP move. And that ADP seems even like high for what he's actually going. I've seen him go in the fifth and sixth round quite Jeez. frequently. Wow! So, like sixth round, like that's I think that's what you're going to see. Like I think when we first started, he went in seventh. I've seen the sixth a bunch of times. So I think that's like just obviously like there's a good portion of drafts that are. Like going on as we speak, like I'm in two right now. You're like, there's 15, 80, there's 15 drafts that have been factored to that ADP. I think I'm in two. John, you're in how many that are going on right now? How many DCs? One or two? I'm just in one right now that's going on. So there's three right now. That's another, that's going to tack on another three out of 15. That's another 20% to that ADP. So I think you're, that's probably going to go up even. Not that I'm not saying I agree with it, but I think it's going to move up. Anthony Rendon, ADP of 114. Um, either of you guys in there? I'm not, but again, I just because we haven't seen him for you know he's been hurt. If he like if he's raking in the spring, that's gonna skyrocket um, way up with how shallow third base is. But yeah, as of right now, I've I don't have any shares. I'm just uh, not in right now. I'm in. I'm in on him um, sort of for the same reason I, I'm, I'm in on those other third basemen because I don't want to get shut out of third base past, past him. Like this is sort of like, this is like, okay, what's going to happen after Bregman? This is what's going to happen after Bregman. And um, I'm not really looking at the players, not super comfortable with any of them after that as like um, sort of a, a higher end option. And I think he's going to, if he's healthy, he's going to hit for a good average um, and he's going to hit for some good power. He's on a good team. So I think um, I think every, I think everything's baked into where you're going to take him there, and I've never been a Rendon guy in these drafts, but um, this year I, I can I can see it. We keep mentioning third base. Um, the top third baseman by ADP is Jose Ramirez at at roughly sixth, and then you have Devers at twenty, Machado at twenty seven, and then there's a big drop off to to Mondesi and Riley in the fifties. Arenado and 75, Chris Bryant, 90. Um, so you get the picture. Uh, have either of you guys like taken Jose Ramirez in the first round over guys that you might prefer, like just in a vacuum, just, just to get third base taken care of? I've had him. I've had Jose Ramirez slip to me at pick seven. So that's like an auto pick for me. Uh, yeah. I would take Jose Ramirez as high as second. Wow. Question. Yeah, I've taken him in the first round as well. And not for those reasons, but that's a good question, James. Uh, um, I'm in one right now where I had the fifth pick and I took Bichette and um, it wrapped all the way back around. And the guy after me took Ramirez, it wrapped back around and Ozzy Albies fell to whatever that pick was in the second round, which is his max pick. And then it, I'm waiting for, it was Brian Slack that was, that was picking before me. And he was, he had the sixth pick 
And um, I'm sorry, I'm giving away a little bit. And um, I don't want to give away too much, but Ace basically, I, I, I kind of wished I took the the Ramirez six pick rather than the fifth pick just to get that extra pick in that second round. I don't want to, I don't want to sort of, I sort of already said too much, but, but, but what happened, but um, it's sort of like, I'd rather have the Ramirez pick there. Like I'd rather set my KDS to get the Ramirez pick because he, because he is falling to that six or seven spot sometimes. So yeah, like you said, it's a smash pick. I've never taken him over like Bichette, but now I'm starting to think maybe I should. Well, Brian Slack, uh, he uh, is, is a friend of the show, so hopefully he he won't mind that you. Um, I don't think I gave away too much, but gave, I, I yeah. sort of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we mentioned uh, Verlander earlier in the show, but JV uh, ADP of 142, uh, probably another guy where um, the more people see him pitching in the spring, the higher his cost is going to soar. Uh, what do you guys think about the price right now? John? I'm out until I see more. I, I just got to, I need to see more. So as of right now, I'm, I'm out, but, uh, yeah, he's like, you said, he's another one. If he's, if he's throwing well in the spring and looking good and looking back to his old self, he's going to skyrocket. So I'll, it's very likely I'm not going to get any shares of him. So it is what it is. Yeah. I wish I got some shares of him when he was going a bit later, but I, I kind of, I, I guess there's, I, I kind of feel like I was asleep at the wheel in these early drafts where I could have got that value. Now he's going up, and like I, we talked about the steamer projections, like I'm probably out too because because of what you said, John. Same 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 reasons. So I'm kind of I'm I'm not kind of, and I haven't put my money where my mouth is at all. Uh, but I theoretically am really an unverlander at this at 142, but it sounds like he's going to be going even higher than that. I just and this is kind of a this is kind of a gut call. Um, shout out to Vlad Sedler, but um, he just sort of Verlander has that kind of Roger Clemens, Tom Brady kind of vibe to me, where I just I think he's just like going to be one of these super weird guys who stands upright much longer than than he should on the mound. But um, we'll we'll see. And then I want to like, see how fast he's throwing. Well, and the other thing, it's, you know, a lot of times, like I, I make fun of people that take these big injury risk guys, um, you know, in like the fourth round or something like that. Uh, but I mean, you you know, you're getting him like the pitchers that go around, like pick 140, like they've all got issues. Like it's not a, it's not like a slam dunk safer options at that, that stage of the draft either. Verlander just went at pick 76 in my draft. So wow, it's already going way up. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't somebody? Didn't George say that he? Um, maybe maybe he didn't tell you guys, but I think he said he went in like the second round in one, in one of his drafts. Yeah, somebody auto auto. Yeah, I, him there. I, I was not oh, okay. So that's going to affect the yeah. ADP. <laughs> yeah, it will. Yep. Um, another you know former ace who's uh, working his way back from TJ actually got on a mound towards the end of last year. Luis Severino, pick one forty five. Either you guys in on him? No, uh, I'm out on him. No, I'm out, but I, I do like that he did pitch a little bit last year so we could actually see him and he he, he threw okay. So um I'm I'm probably still out just because I don't I don't know how many innings these guys are gonna throw coming off these major injuries. So that's yeah, not really that's not really I'm my out. my thing's not the injury. It's more like I don't know I don't know for sure how they're gonna use him next year. Like the Yankees are pretty they're pretty conservatively normal with the rotation 
but um, who do they got? They got Cole Montgomery, Court, Nestor Cortez, and Herman. Yeah, but I don't know. They could add someone. I don't know. Like I'm just not sure what. I'd like to see. I'd like to see it mapped out. Um, and I don't know. I'd like to see uh, like him start some games. I don't know how he's going to hold up. Like he's he's got a long injury history, but even before that, TJ. So I don't know. Like I think he's a pretty pretty big. He's one of the bigger injury risks, in my opinion. Maybe it's just my gut saying that that. Like for him to be like he's close to Verlander, that's not even close. Like I'd way, way rather have Verlander. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I would too. Uh, I'll be interested to see if, if Severino's kind of hovers around there. Um, have you guys like you know I, I think last year, last draft season, I was probably um, more cautious than I had ever been before when it came to pitcher injuries, uh, pitcher workload concerns, that type of thing. Uh, did anything in terms of last year change how you guys sort of view not not necessarily the injury aspect of things, but say, you know, uh, projecting a pitcher to throw like 145 innings and that sort of being a reason to be out on him ha- is that something that's sort of changed for you with the way that you know guys like Corbin Burns threw, or is that just kind of a, a process over results type of thing? I don't think I'm going to change anything in terms of how I dealt with it. Like for, for me, I was out on DeGrom last year and it, and it was, there was the wrong call, even though he was like pitched half the season, but it was everyone, everyone knows what happened there. Um, but I think like it, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think it has to be a binary decision. So it's like that injury could have happened in April um, and then you'd be right to fade him. So just because, Oh, DeGrom pitched half a season and then people say, Oh, well, he's a second round pitcher. If he pitches half a season, guess what? Like that half a season is sort of irrelevant to your decision-making. You can't just arbitrarily assign 80 games to an injury risk. It's either he gets injured or he doesn't. And when he gets injured is really like luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it's kind of the, kind of the same thing. I'm not going to really change too much from last year. Um, I, I generally am always very hesitant with pitchers that are coming off injuries and that didn't either didn't pitch at all or, you know, pitched like a half a season. So nothing will change on that front. Um, as far as like the innings pitched, like, yeah, Corbin Burns, I, I only had one or two shares last year. I was in 37 leagues. So, and I, you know, I, it wasn't a complete avoid obviously, cause I did grab, grab a share or two, but um, yeah, he, I went elsewhere a lot of the time just because I was a little wary of the innings he was going to throw. So, um, yeah, on the innings front, I'll change my, change my thought process a little bit. Well, in the burn, the burns example is just such a rare case where like a guy that good, you know, I mean, it, it, it that's not going to come around every year. Um, Adam Wainwright. Uh, was a was a league winner last year. Uh, was going outside the top 300, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, kind of faded a little bit down the stretch, going at pick 167 right now. Uh, what do you think about that, Zach? I'm out. He's too old. <laughs> sure. I'll just be blunt. Like, um, like I know he was great. He's been great for two years. But like, all good things come to an end. And not just not it's not just that. Uh, it's just what what else you can get around that. So it's like I like I I, I recognize that like what I'm saying is sort of short sighted, but at the same time, um, that downside along with a similar upside and more with like a lot of those pitchers going in that stadium EP, like I could list a couple, right? But um, 
there's just other ones I like there that are that are maybe don't have the same floor, but like their range of outcomes to me is is the same. And um, you just don't want to be holding the hot potato. Yeah, I'm probably out as well, just for the kind of the same reasons. Um, not well, I guess not not the exact same reasons, but the same reasons as far as there's other players around there that I uh, that I really like. So I'm definitely uh, I'm, I'm out on him because of that reason. I do think that he's going to be just fine though. Like he doesn't rely on you know throwing high nineties, you know. So I think I think he'll be a fine value there. I would just rather go elsewhere with the, the, the other options around that ADP. Yeah, no, I agree. Like if he was seventy five picks after that. I'd be it. It's it's kind of, you know, I mean, it's kind of one of those, like the guy that you you got for a huge value the year before, rather than kind of buy him at sort of peak value after that year, just go try to find a guy that's sort of going in that 300 range that people have kind of forgotten about and and try to find the next year's. You're not going to find a guy who pitches quite as well as Wainwright did last year, but um you are definitely sort of paying for um a, a monster year from a like a 39 year old um yeah and then the last guy uh gavin lux adp of 213 uh what say you john uh, i'm in i think that's going to climb quite a bit as well actually uh with Corey seager officially being gone opens up another spot they did resign chris taylor but i think uh yeah, I think he's gonna get the opportunity to play every day, and I'm I'm definitely in. Zach, well, his his um, steamer projections are pretty bad, yeah, uh, especially the playing time, especially the playing time, and he's already shown that um, he could um, perform poorly, which he has. But I'm in. I'm in. Um, I think that uh, I think where he's going, um, given what. Um, Given the like, given the eye test and the pedigree that he showed in the minor leagues, and the potential for speed, and he has such great plate discipline, like there's all the all the all the all the ingredients are there for him to just uh, break out of that spot. And what where you're paying there is like it's a perfect spot to take a leap of faith right there. Um, uh, in in what, what is it two thirteen right there? And I agree with John. So yeah, no, John, I hate drafting with you. I don't want to draft with you. So I think we, <laughs> did we agree on everything? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like he's he's a, he's a power speed combo uh you're not having to break the bank to pay for him like it's a loaded lineup you could easily see him having a breakout season once he's hurt did we mention that yeah 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 muncie's gonna be a guy where the the adp really uh takes a turn here over the next uh month or so um because he was getting drafted inside the top i mean that like Muncie and uh, Buster Posey were the two examples that I thought of, like off the top of my head, of just like guys that, like, if you were in one of those super early drafts, um, like I might have might have liked both those guys uh, before Posey retired and Muncie revealed he had a torn UCL. So. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, this was uh, a ton of fun. Um, Zach, why don't you tell people about? Uh, the, the podcast that you, you host? I do the Draft Champions podcast, and um, right now we're just um, basically talking to people that play in um, the higher stakes leagues and people that have been very successful, along with other people that may not have been successful this year, but have in the past and know a lot and have a lot of experience. So we're just trying to get better and um, 
talk to our friends. And uh, John, I mean, you're uh, just you're just kind of drafting all the time. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't think you have anything to plug, really. Um, no. Nope. But do you want to? <laughs> you guys want to both uh, let everyone know where uh, they can find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at pile of dial. I'll just, or in the draft room. I'll be there. And if you tweet at John, like if you're in a room and you're waiting for it to fill and you're just get, getting that itch, uh, just tell John there's an opening and uh, he'll, he'll send that that hopping in a car gif and, and you'll be rolling. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Zach, anything uh, else you need to plug? No, I just, I'd rather not people, I'd rather not tell people where they can find me, but just plug, okay. people, plug other great people on in the baseball community. And I always just plug the baseball prospectus. They're doing great work. So whenever I get a chance to shout them out, I, I always shout out baseball prospectus. Awesome. Well, uh, really appreciate this, guys. Uh, this was the Rotor Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by WinBet, and I'll be back next week. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.